Every year in my town, there's this fantastic crafts in the park. It's always the day before Mother's Day, so it's fun to go and shop and get lots of cool stuff. At any rate, I came across One Earth Body Care, and it changed my life. Now, you may think I'm being hyperbolic, but I'm not. I am extraordinarily smelly, and I have tried every natural deodorant under the sun. Nothing has worked except for their fantastic natural deodorant. They have a variety of scents. They are non-greasy, cream-based formula, baking soda-free. Magnesium hydroxide keeps odor at bay, and let me tell you, it sure does. Organic and gentle, and they have wonderful enchanting essential oil aromas. My favorite is vanilla rose, there's vanilla spice, lavender lime, lemongrass, cedar, sage. They also have wonderful shampoo bars, changed my daughter's life. Her hair looks amazing and conditioner bars. They have wonderful salves for dry skin and so much more. So please check them out at oneearthbodycare.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I met today's guest, a phenomenal Dr. Mark Goulston, virtually about 10 years ago when a pitch was sent to me about having him on my NPR show at the time, It's Your Health. Now, within moments of speaking with him, I knew he was a very special man, a man full of insight, compassion, and a deep desire to help people live their best lives. I've been blessed to interview Dr. Mark Golston many, many times since that first time on a number of my radio shows and podcasts, and every time he is inspiring. Every interview I leave knowing more than I knew before, and I'm a better person than I was before. Several months back, Dr. Golston sent me an email to let me know that he was diagnosed with cancer, and it hit me hard. Dr. Golston is one of the smartest and kindest men I have ever known. Recently, he started a video series called I'm Dying to Tell You, where he shares what mortality is teaching him. Let me tell you a little bit about him, Dr. Mark Golston. MDFAPA is a board-certified psychiatrist, former UCLA professor of psychiatry and author or co-author of 10 books translated into 43 languages. There is so much more to his bio, it would take up the whole show, so I'm going to put it in the show notes. Just know he is phenomenal. I'm going to call him Mark. I asked him ahead of time. Uh, that's okay. Mark, welcome to Health Power. Well, it's always good to be back with you. And I, I forgot how much I missed you, Lisa. I miss you too. We did a whole wonderful series on one of the uh, one of my radio stations. And I, it was just such a blessing. You really are. And when I, you're both emotionally intelligent and IQ type, whatever you would call that intelligent. And you always bring so much to everything that you do. I would love to jump in to have you tell us about your diagnosis and what what went through your mind at the time. Well, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with lymphoma, but it was one of these low, slow-growing lymphomas, and my oncologist mm-hmm. said, we'll just watch it, and we'll treat you, and most of the treatments are good. And then I developed yeah. this pesky anemia that wasn't responding really to anything. And uh, so we got a bone marrow biopsy. And we diagnosed something called high-risk myelodysplastic syndrome, MDS. Mm. And that eventually leads to acute myeloid leukemia. I will probably be heading towards a bone marrow transplant. And, you know, and if you're listening in or viewing, it's an organ transplant, like a heart transplant. They take out your bone marrow. Right. You're completely defenseless. I'll have to get all my childhood vaccines again, you know, chicken pox, uh, oh, mumps, no. measles. Uh, and I'm fortunate in that my three children qualify as donors. So that's 
that's a, a real blessing because finding don- donors oh, is difficult. Goodness. And uh, in the process, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be isolated in the hospital three to four weeks, you know, because you're prone to infection. There's about a 15% yeah. mortality rate from the procedure because mm. of infections that they can't treat. And I was a little bit down several months ago because uh, the numbers I was seeing were that there was a 48% three-year survival rate because I'm 75 and oh, wow. and five, that's six months ago, rate. people were saying, well, that's the upper limit. We, we don't do it for people who are 75. But there's a lot of work going on in this. And so now I'm hearing that there's more and more people getting it at 75, 76. Um, and it, it seems like the survival rate, according to my hematologist, is uh, about 75%. So that's fairly optimistic. Um, yeah. And so we'll see what happens. And But I'm learning things that I'm sharing with people uh, on YouTube and TikTok called I'm Dying to Tell You. One of the things I'm yeah. learning uh, is the importance of a team. So I have the best doctor I've ever had. He has 265 five-star patient reviews. Wow. I mean, yeah, I've, it's unheard of, and I can understand why. He's smart, he's thoughtful, he's accessible, and it wasn't easy to get through to him. The problem with some of these doctors is it's not easy to get through to them. You know, there's a lot of barriers to entry yeah. because everybody wants them. But once you get through to them, you form a personal relationship. You're a person. You're not just someone they've never met. And that's what's turned out right. with uh, uh, Dr. Ron Paquette at Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. Uh, but what's happened is I have the most peace of mind I've ever had in my life. I mean, complete peace of mind, no depression, no fear, no anxiety. Um, it's interesting because people, you know, are saying, you got to have a positive attitude, and they'll pump me up, and I'll say, I have a positive attitude. You know, I've found the best doctor. I'm following what he says. But I've been chasing after peace of mind for 70 years. <laughs> And I'll True. trade you. I'll <laughs> trade you total peace of mind for a positive attitude any day of the week. <laughs> that is so true. You know, I I took some notes on several of your "I'm dying to tell tell you." They're so good. I wanted to mention the power of true vulnerability. And you share that you aren't good at letting people care about you. And you share a story about what it was like to actually tell somebody what was going on with you and to show that true vulnerability. Uh, Tell us about what happened. Yeah, I definitely want to share that with people because what happened is uh, I'm a caregiver. I'm a doctor. uh, I'm not comfortable people caring about me or helping me. I'm here to help you. I'm here to care about you. And so I've never really let caring in. Now, I'm not a mm-hmm. saint. I'm guessing that down deep I'm starved for it. But, you know, what comes out in my mind and my behavior is, you know, to to be the caregiver. And about several months ago, 
there was someone we had a call and he said, well, how are you doing? And usually I would say, well, I'm, I'm really good. Uh, uh, what's going on with you? What are you working on? How can I help you? Who can I introduce you to? Uh, because I, all my life I've lived to give. And I say this seriously, right now I give to live. When I am in a state of giving, I feel most alive. Probably because when you're giving, you come from abundance. You know, when you're grabbing and taking, you come from scarcity. And I think my diagnosis is giving me enough scarcity. I don't need any help with that. <laughs> and so and so I said to him, I said, well, I'm having a couple issues. And this is before, you know, it looked like my prognosis might be a little bit better than I thought it was. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It, it, it changes the prognosis. Right. Uh, and I said, and he said, well, what's that? And he was kind of distracted. And I said, I might be dying. And it just caught me by surprise. And boy, did it catch him by surprise. And I started to get emotional. And I got embarrassed. And I apologized to him. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I, I knew I shouldn't have brought that up. And, uh, you know, please forgive me. And uh, I don't want to burden you. And he said to me, this is not a burden, Mark. This is a gift. And, and I've accumulated probably 25 to 30 people who have the same response if I allow myself to just feel what I'm feeling. Now, one of the keys yeah. of, of using vulnerability, the power of it, is I think when you're vulnerable and helpless, it can sort of push people away. But apparently, I don't come off as helpless. So it's not like, oh, I don't know what to do. Please help me. Uh, it's just vulnerable. And then here's something that some of these people have said. And, and tell me if you think women can relate to this. But these are the people who have said this have been men. So one person said, Mark, this is a gift. So why is it a gift? And he said, this is the most emotionally intimate conversation I've ever had in my life. Oh my. Because a lot of times people just, I, 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 look, I love my parents. I miss them. But I never had this emotionally intimate conversation with them. You know, you, you talk about activities. Uh, then another person said, uh, I envy you. And I said, w What do you mean you envy me? He said, Look, I don't want your illness. You're going to have your illness. He said, but the way you are right now with me, the way you're so uh, open and just trusting me to be the way you are, you know, you're, yeah. you're just so open and you're feeling safe with me. And I think you can. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say, well, sorry to hear about that. If you can't give me any referrals, you know, I wish you luck. Uh, you know, ho hope your treatment goes well. So I, th I think I sense people. And and look, at this stage of my life, I've I've never been a good fit for people that are highly transactional. I'm not against them. I'm just not a good fit.
And uh, right. And and he said to me, he said, uh, I envy you because I don't see you as vulnerable. I see you as free. And I've never been as free as you are right now. And then I'm starting my version of the 700 Club because a number of these people (laughs) have a transactional side to them. You know, they're great Mm -hmm. business people. What these people have been saying is 24-7. And I said, what does that mean? They say, you can call me 24-7. And these are people that if I had one of my cockamamie business ideas, they'd smile and they'd say, well, I'm kind of busy. They'd ghost me. Yeah, right. And I've been trying to drill down why the 24-7. And my latest uh, sense of it is it's not because I might be dying. I think it's because it's an unusually real conversation for them. Yeah. And it's not something that happens that often. One of them, uh, yeah. a good friend of mine, he was a, a, one of the top CEOs in the country. He was in the book Good to Great. And he's on the spectrum, very decent, mm-hmm. very earnest, very humble. And I remember when I shared it with him, his face kind of twisted as if he, he was thinking, I think what Mark is, Mark is talking about is really important. Right. But I don't quite get it because, you know, he's a little bit on the spectrum. And it was so endearing because he was just forcing himself. Like he wanted to understand why what I was saying was important. Right. You know, and he got very humble and he said, Mark, uh, this is such an honor, this conversation. And he was one of the first people to, one of the first members of the 24-7 club. <laughs> so, what I'm sh- so what I'm sharing with people is a lot of times when I've given presentations and I've asked people, how many times, especially with a dad, can you remember a completely emotionally open and honest conversation between the two of you? Now, sometimes they're one way, you know, one person's opening, you know, vulnerable, and they finally break down. Uh, but but the other person becomes kind of nervous and say, says, uh, uh, well, let's focus on what you're going to do about it. Right. So what are you going to do to feel better? You know, and they're not cold, but they're not connected. They're nervous because mm-hmm. they don't know how to connect. What I'm sharing with you is if you can reach down and feel it and share it, you can have one of the best conversations ever. One of my friends, uh, I've I, I become a mentor to her, is a woman named Melissa Bernstein, and she and her husband uh, have the company Melissa and Doug. It's one of the top children's Oh, yes, children. of course. Oh, oh yeah, my gosh, no. when my daughter was little, we bought, like, everything <laughs> from Melissa yeah, yeah, and no, Doug. It, it, Love it's it. wonderful. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and we've become friends, and and she shared something with me. And again, here's something I want to share with all of you, because I think she's true. She said, when you, if you're getting triggered, when you can identify the feeling underneath the trigger, the trigger usually triggers a reaction. And you might get emotional, but you're not in touch with the feeling. You're getting emotional as a way to stay away from the deep feeling. You're just being emotional. 
And she said, when you can identify the feeling and just feel it, it dissipates yeah. in less than 90 seconds. Oh, that's but horrible. close to 100% of people can't do that. So I recently had, wow. I, I think it's the most intimate conversation I ever had with my son. Uh, uh, this is slightly out of context, but. Uh, oh, that's okay. And I said to him, uh, I really can't stand what I'm about to put this family through. Not being a burden is huge to me. And I was just, you know, it's not a walk in the park, a a bone marrow transplant. And then if I do, instead of that, the serial chemotherapy, it's burdensome to the caregivers and their family if they care about you. And I I just broke down. I said, I... uh, I just can't stand the idea of it. And I said, I've been thinking of dying sooner than later. Uh, maybe not do the transplant. Because uh, I, I I just hate the idea of this. And I was emotional because I was just, it was like my truth. And he paused. And he just broke down and said, I don't want you to die. And the profoundness of his love and caring for me was huge, which I took in. And then, you know, I I got even more emotional in a good way. He doesn't know it, but that could be one of the top three conversations he'll ever have in his life. You know, because because these things happen so rarely. And if you're listening to this and watching this, Try to have them happen more often. Well, I was thinking that goes back to what you we brought up earlier, that you don't want people, it's hard for you to let people, you know, care about you. So you're thinking, how am I going to let my family have this burden? But to them, it's like, we love you. We'll do anything to keep you with us. Of course. I'm trying to let it in because what I realize yeah. is if my reaction is, let me check out sooner. I'm being selfish. I'm claiming that I'm going to be a burden to them, but it's their choice whether right. I'm a burden to them. You know, if the shoe was on the other foot, I wouldn't see it as a burden if any of my family members were going through this. I'd be there 150%. And it's interesting because if they said, well, you know, I, I hate being a burden to you, I'd look at them. I'd say, what are you, crazy? I love you. <laughs> of course. This is what you do. So, it's, yeah. you know, maybe I should go see a shrink. You know, why is it I can't accept it? Well, you just <laughs> – well, that's making me wonder about your upbringing. I'm not like saying your parents did something wrong, oh, no, but no, no, I am no, wondering no, no. Look, parents, why you have my, this. My parents did the best they could. Of course. But they could be prone to negativity. and. And uh, and when they died, they had Alzheimer's, and uh, and it, it was a very unhappy scene because of how they, you know. I'm sorry. I don't know that there's that many happy Alzheimer's patients, but uh, uh, but I think feeling how burdensome it was. Right. Oh, now, okay. I was respon- I was sense. responsible. You know, I. I never laid a guilt trip on them, especially in that condition. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, there was relief when they passed. 
I mean, they weren't enjoying life. Yeah. Quality of life wasn't that great. And they weren't that yeah, enjoyable. And so I think what happened is going through yeah. that with both of them, it's like, oh, I can't lay this on anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, there, there's there's so many interesting things that I was reading in regards to the things that you're going through and what you're learning. And when my mother was dying of cancer back in 95, she just, it was a fight. It was a battle and she wasn't going to die for anything. And it was just this, and then she put off hospice until a month before she died. And then I remember her saying, I should have got hospice sooner. Like I needed this, Mm -hmm. but I feel like you're going into it with just so much more awareness and looking at regrets and talking about how you came to a place of not having any, talking about how you can embrace mortality with serenity and serenity and psychological well-being. If you can expand on that, because I think my mom's more the norm, sadly. Yeah, you know? it's, it's interesting. You know, as I said, my prognosis, you know, it, it could you know turn out okay. So I've gone back to the so. 24-7 club and I said, you know, maybe I was dramatic. If you want to take back the 24-7, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they said, it still stands, Mark, but don't abuse it. <laughs> uh, I love so, that. So, uh, what I've come up with, and, and, and I have a Harvard Business Review podcast, IdeaCast, and, uh, and we talked about this. And, and I, a couple of the major factors of being at peace is one thing is I realize I have, left, I have nothing left to prove and nothing left to chase. Mm. And so I could let that go. And, you know, and chasing after being a good provider and supporting my family and maybe indulging them, you know, I, I was never someone focused on money, so you know, I did okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I let that go. And what happened is when I let that go, I realized I have everything to share because I've listened for 50 years. I have this book, Just Listen. And a lot of times, you know, when you're helping a patient, you don't share insights with them because they want relief. They don't want insight. Now, some people, you know, get the benefit of insight, but, you know, when people come in with psychological pain, they want relief. And this this technique called surgical empathy that I developed and I used yeah, with suicidal patients for 30 years, and none of them died by suicide. You know, it was there to relieve their pain and make it tolerable enough that death was not the only answer. So, uh, so I'm, I'm wanting to share things. And part of the also the reason is there's a possibility of some cognitive impairment if I get the transplant. And I have this feeling that my higher level creative articulate abilities, which I value, they could take a hit. So uh, that's why I'm sharing as much as I can. The other thing is I've identified what a good death is. Uh, I had a friend who was one of the uh, pioneers in suicide prevention, death and dying. He referred me lots of suicidal patients and sent me on uh, death and dying house calls. And he did an article called A Good Death. You could look up A Good Death, Goulston. You'll find the article. I think it's on my website. 
and I qualify for all the criteria except living to 90. I'm 75. Uh, you know, 80 looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, maybe could be could be more, could be less. So I qualify for those. Also, I think here here's a key, which I learned from doing the house calls to the dying patients, is if your alignment, if you're in alignment with your values, and they're values that you can take pride in, uh, you don't have anything to be ashamed of. And so my values, yeah. and you said it in the introduction, so my four values that I've lived my entire life with are kindness. That's way ahead of the other ones. Generosity, service, and curiosity. And those are, that, that's how I've lived my life. And, uh, and so I, I don't think I have to feel ashamed of those. Whereas when I did house calls, some people whose values were, you know, make a lot of money, be powerful, be such and such, you know, when they were facing death, they realized that they blew it. They realized, right. I'm not close to anyone. Nobody's close mm -hmm. to me. I'm not close to myself. And, you know, six months ago, I probably would have said it's a bunch of BS. But now that I'm heading towards the end, maybe I yeah. blew it. And I remember one person said, everything I thought was important isn't. And everything I thought wasn't important is. And I don't have time to fix it. Yeah. So I think it's important for you to drill down in your values. <clears throat> and for me, it's important towards the end of my life is, uh, I think one of the things that would feed regrets is if I felt embarrassed or ashamed of my values. I mean, if I had my druthers, you know, I might have focused more on money because maybe I would have taken my family on those family trips and vacations with all the grandkids and whatever. And we haven't done that because, you know, I, I supported them, supported them through their education, uh, support my wife and our uh, myself through our, our house and our home. And uh, uh, so those were values and those took priority over vacations. Uh, I was always supportive of my children going on vacations. And, uh, uh, and I lived a little bit vicariously because they went on vacations <laughs> with their friends. Uh, but I think being aligned with your values is also important. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if everybody had your values, the world would be fantastic. And really. it would just, and, and it just wouldn't be as rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, my parents used to go on vacations and they leave us at home with the weirdest, most horrible, not weird in a good way, but just awful babysitters. That's a whole nother story. So they made sure they got on vacation, but we yeah, didn't really yeah. do much of the family yeah. vacation. I'll, I'll share something else in another episode because I'm speaking, you know, often. Sure. I'm getting lots of interviews and I bet. And, and the, one of my videos is Visionary Dying. Oh. And uh, because one of the things I've been able to do is I, I, I can, when you do surgical empathy and you go into right. the world of someone, you can look at the world through their eyes. Yeah. And you can, you can I could feel 
the world through their eyes, which is which enabled me to get through to suicidal patients because they felt felt. And when yes. they felt felt, they felt less alone. Uh, and though I've expanded, you know, I'm very interested. So uh, I remember for a year, I did a one-man show called Steve Jobs Returns. And I played <laughs> Steve Jobs coming back from the dead from 1996 mm-hmm. when he went back to Apple to 2007 when he introduced the iPhone. And I channeled him. I, I got to really release my inner a-hole. I had fun playing Steve Jobs. <laughs> and, uh, but I could see the world through his eyes. Right. And, uh, and so so visionary thinking uh, has three Ds. And if you're listening or watching this, write this down. You should write this down, Lisa. Okay. Uh, so the first D is you define reality beyond what's possible and beyond what's even imaginable. Mm. So Steve Jobs looked out of the world and said, they're all going to have personal computers, and I think they're going to have an iPhone. Elon Musk said, mm. we're going to have electric cars and maybe private space travel. And now it's, let's go to Mars. Yeah. And the difference between a visionary and non-visionary is visionaries see the unknown as an adventure to be lived and right. jump into, whereas non-visionaries see the unknown as a danger to be avoided. Mm. And we need visionaries, especially in this day and age. We, we, we need to see beyond the terrible and scary state that the world is in. It's awful. So the second D is they declare their intention. I don't care if it's impossible. I don't care if it's unimaginable. We're going to make it happen. Yeah, that's that impossible question that you talk about. Right. And then the third D is they decide strategy. So how are they going to make it happen? So for me, visionary dying, uh, I'm really seeing the end as this fascinating journey. And I'm too fascinated by it to be down. Wow. Now that said, if I had a if I didn't have a team that I had total trust and confidence in, I had a consultation with someone who was very bright but arrogant. I don't know that I'd have so much peace because I'd be afraid to ask him a question, and yeah. he, he was abrupt and all those things. So that's why a team's so important. And so I've declared. Yeah my intention to make it so and my strategy is how I'm, how I'm going to do it so i'm doing it again by the key component is i have a great team that i have complete trust and confidence in and i i think my hematologist really bonded to me because he was so wonderful that after our first appointment i said you don't know how grateful I am to be under your care and win, lose, or die, I'm good to go. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. He must have been so flattered. Oh, my goodness. Now, Mark, I think I need to let you go, even though I want you to stay forever here and here in the world. Uh, is there anything you wanted to add? And you know you're always welcome. Always. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I'm getting good feedback on the <clears throat> I'm dying to tell you videos uh, oh, it's on so YouTube. Good. I'm glad. 
or on TikTok, uh, you know, and they're getting 10, 15 views here and there, and and I'm getting compliments, uh, and I'm not monetizing it. it. It's about just sharing this stuff. Yes. Uh, because the universe is saying, Mark, you have carte blanche to share all this stuff you learned. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if people can check it out and they like those and they want to share that, you know, uh, I'd appreciate that. And uh, uh, also, I, I like being on these podcasts because uh, I don't know if it's distracting me uh, from, mm. you know, because uh, I don't get depressed. I get sad. You know, I'm not going to see my sure. grandchildren as teenagers. So, uh, you know, if people listening or watching this can think of other podcasts that, that they might introduce me to, um, I, I, I'd like to do sure. that. All right. Mark, give us your website. Uh, yeah. So, so my website, I, I, I have a lot, uh, I have a bunch of people who are building a legacy for me. And if I die, it might make money that they'll give to my family. So markgulston.com is my website and we're and and they're renovating it because it looks really old fashioned. So markgulston.com. Uh also uh on LinkedIn I'm partnering with some people and we have something called a 90 second mentor. So every week oh, we drop yes. some uh like a minute, a minute and a half from uh someone I've had on my uh other podcast, my wake up call. And these are great people from uh, from Ken Blanchard to Susan Cain to Daniel Pink to Daniel Goldman to really wow. neat people sharing wisdom. So if you can check that out, it uh, uh, we think it can really help cultures and organizations because these people are dropping nuggets and we capture yeah. them. And the hope is that people and organizations will have more meaningful conversations and people will bond to each other. Yeah. Well, I, I just feel such an affinity for you and I adore you, Mark, really. And uh, well, as long as you don't please... care about me, don't care. Adore is okay. <laughs> care about me. I care about you, damn it. No, That's no, the way it goes. Me, you no you can't stop me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, everybody, please check out all the wonderful stuff Dr. Mark Goulston has to offer and keep coming back to Health Power. Right? If you subscribe, follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Lisa Davis MPH. Mark, you are a beautiful, beautiful person, and I am blessed to have known you. And I'm so glad you're here. And I'm going to just put it out in the universe that you're going to be here for a very long time. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.